fine. It's recording. It's doing something. So, should we say it's recording? <laughs> I think it's recording. Sharon, we've been recently told that we are bad influence. We haven't even introduced the podcast yet, Agatha. That's how bad we are. Should we introduce the podcast and then we can talk about how bad we are? Let's introduce the podcast. Hello, I'm Sharon. Hello, I'm Agatha. And this is... Taming Your Inner Artist. That's our introduction. So, you were saying, Agatha. Yeah, I was saying we've been recently told we are bad influence. I know. We're very proud of it, aren't we? We're very we? proud of it. And it's interesting. And that's... that's uh, that's what we've taken as the sort of not the theme of today but i think it might be the title of today's podcast but uh, it's it's part of our message today it is part of our message so what we're going to be talking about today is support system helping and encouraging others networks uh, uh, probably just just kind of groups of people who are your community and then we're obviously going to unpack the reason why we were called bad influence yes and it, it is part of us, I'm going to say it now, of us being supportive. Um, and it's also something we'll talk about today is kind of how people react to others undertaking their journey. Absolutely. So I, I think that's quite a key one. It, it's not just about maybe how we react, but, but how people around you react to you doing something that is not how they think you should be. That's very correct. Does that kind of make sense as a sort of a statement, a sentence? Not really, but... It, it does and it will. And I'm going to say, I know this is a podcast, so you cannot see us, but uh, I've just ordered a beautiful set of badges uh, for us, which says Bad Influence. And we're going to wear it very proud. We're going to wear them very proudly. And we will probably include a photograph in our should. podcast. I, notes. Yes. I think the thing is, we're, we're sort of... Um, it's interesting because I, I took it a very different way to Agatha and Agatha has kind of educated me a little bit. Um, I was a little bit offended by being called a bad influence. Agatha was very kind delighted. of delighted. And I've chosen now, under her influence, to lean into being a bad influence. So, of course, what we're talking about is encouraging others. We, we, have, we have a wonderful colleague who actually decided to move to another university at the moment um, who wanted to do uh, research. She wanted to do her PhD and I hope she's going to uh, continue with this idea. Hopefully. And Hopefully. we were very encouraging. We really wanted her to just continue against all the odds and, and, and proceed with her ideas and, and explore the possibilities of potentially even doing a practice-based one. Yes. Yeah. And, and what and has happened, Sharon? What, 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 what has happened is that, you know, she has found her feet she has undertaken some research but we were told in <laughs> hindsight that we were identified as a bad research uh, bad influence not bad researchers we're wonderful researchers a bad influence and you know as i say i took that quite hard because part of how i see what i do and i think what agatha does is i know how difficult it was for me to start out on my in inverted commas research journey i know how um i'm still extremely unsure of myself i still doubt what i do i still feel that what i do isn't uh, at the level of maybe other people i have a lot of like internal stuff going on and 
how I see it is I'm I'm good at being a cheerleader for other people. I feel that uh, it's nice to sort of say to other people. We were we were just in our previous episode. I think this is kind of kind of shouts back to Rob on our previous episode. He was talking about that idea of things not always going right, and it might be nice if people kind of admitted that a little bit more, and that you know the shiny that we all project isn't the whole story. And I just, I just want to support people <laughs> in that, and I'm a bad influence for doing that. So I was, I was actually quite miffed. Yeah, we no, say? I, I loved it. I, I loved it, and as we probably mentioned, I love this idea of being. Uh, rebellious researchers and I, I really think that this is the best compliment we could have got because that means that we actually managed to encourage her True. and we actually managed to uh, inspire her to take some action and I think I couldn't be uh, more proud of this so, and of, of course what this post- podcast is is it's a similar idea we just want to encourage people not to be afraid and yeah. I guess what I wanted to mention here in many conversations and and even a questioner I, I did for, for one of the seminars yeah. I run uh, when I asked people what is that they really need us as a support system yeah. for, for the, the research, it's just this idea of, of sense of security that when things are not entirely clear, and I think, again, I'm, we're just going to kind of explore a little bit more what we talked about with Rob, yeah. but when things are not necessarily very clear, which it will always be the case when you're working with practice as research, especially when you're working on a good one, if you knew what is that you wanted to achieve at the end of your journey, there would be no reason for you to do it because if you already know what the outcome will be, why would you explore it through creative practice? The very idea of creative practice research is that you don't exactly know what's going to happen. You know your direction. You have your framework, as, as Rob was saying. But of course, things need to happen organically. They need to they need to kind of evolve and and, and, and just happen in the process. So of course, it's going to be chaotic. And you will have moments when you feel very insecure, when you feel, well, maybe this is a, just pure nonsense. Maybe this is just a pile of uh, absolute nonsense and I have no idea what I'm doing. And, and this is very normal. This is very human. And that's why it's so important to have someone who can tell you, well, you, you're doing well. This is part of the system. If something is not going well, to direct you to the sources, person, uh, theory, practice, whatever this might be. But just really kind of give you this kind of sense of security that things will not be very linear. Uh, yeah, it's it's that lack of linearity, I think, sometimes. And, and But also, I think we all need that. We all need someone who we can go to and say, is this right? Does it look weird? It's not done the thing I think it should do. And I think that's that's the general thing. If you take creative practice or practice as research and, and sort of not even put it to one side, but take that as part of a, a general kind of approach to even starting to do something, what whatever it might be, you do need somebody there who can just say, it's OK, um, you're safe, this is, this is normal. Um, you, there's no reason you should absolutely know how to do this right now, but but sometimes I think people forget that. Yes. Um, and and sort of I think we were talking about this with Rob that that you get into this mindset of oh I failed because I haven't got my answer already, mm. um, and I'm ignoring the fact that this is a one year, two year, three and part year of the process journey, absolutely. and yeah. and part of the process as well mm. of, of and again I use the word failure, but you don't like and we talked <laughs> about that with Rob, but but that it's not gone the way you think it should, and therefore your aim has not been realised. I suppose that's that's better than the word failure because yes. it's you were talking about the idea that it's it's not failure it's it's 
earned experience and and to an extent it's sort of that's my outlook of trying to be a bad influence and encourage people <laughs> is is you know I've got quite hard-won knowledge I know you've definitely got hard-won knowledge there's there's nothing wrong with easing the path of someone else and saying hey you can do it this way or that thing isn't as scary as it kind of looks from the outside and all, all of my knowledge, I'm winning with you. I'm winning some knowledge with you about writing a, a book series. I wouldn't have ever had any idea that I would even try to do that. But it's, it's hard-won knowledge. And at the moment, we're working through our hard-won knowledge. But that doesn't mean that that's secret knowledge, that's stuff that I will share with other people and would want people to ask me about. And I think it's really important. I think the whole point of doing what, what we're doing is really to share uh, things with other people. And we'll get back to the question of feedback. I think what we're going to do, Sharon, with this episode, we're going to basically unpack many things we talked about with Rob because there's so many things over there which I wanted to talk about. But I really like this idea of um, <laughs> thinking about, let's call it challenges, Thinking yes. about challenges in the way which is really exciting. I think that if everything was always going according to the plan, it would be a very, very boring journey and you wouldn't really learn that much. If everything was so easy, if, if all the projects and, and uh, anything you do was just really easy to achieve, there, there wouldn't be this excitement in it. And because there's always, especially with this kind of project, something not going according to the plan. And it could be on a very, on many different levels. It could be your contributor not doing what you want to achieve. It could be that you don't really know how to do things, which I was trying to hint uh, about when we were talking about methodologies. Very often, and this is a challenge for many people going into practice as research, that they don't know how to do it. And let me just unpack it because there are two things over here. So that's why I really think that when you hear someone talk about their really accomplished projects, it could work as a positive, but it could be very intimidating at some point. Yeah. It could be positive because, of course, it's inspiring. And it, the more you know about other people's work, the better. At the same time, it could feel like, oh, my God, this is so accomplished. There's so many things they've done. I don't even know how to start. Yes. And yeah. that's why I think it's so important to talk about behind the scenes and to talk about not only the challenges and things which don't necessarily go according to the plan, but really how to start doing things, how to. And we will get back to that again. And we mentioned that in a previous or two episodes before. How do you even think about your research questions? How do you design your methodologies? How do you talk to other people? How do you build this creative uh, community? And I think this is our focus today. H how do you find yourself in this community of people who work across different di disciplines and across different practices, but yet they have something in common? Yeah, I think I think it's so today is very much about community. I think we've we've kind of come up with that idea for today. The the other kind of ideas about finding your question stuff, we will touch on a little bit today, I think, but I think they're probably episodes of their of their own because there's longer conversations to have and we've had some of those conversations already with with different people as well. It's it's quite a process, isn't it, to find what it is you're looking at and to kind of say I'm a practitioner. Probably, usually, most people come at this from being a practitioner and then trying to, again, we'll use Rob's term, reverse engineer, you know, your way into the researching the actual area that you're interested in. Like, how do you start? What do you find? How do you approach it? But finding your community and like part of this podcast is us saying like we're here and, and your series that you've got 
out and it's on YouTube. And we'll put a link up to that today because I think that's quite an important thing to find part of your community and, and people who are talking about practices research and, and are undertaking quite exciting projects and are, are quite well known within practices research. And that's, again, t- to take up your point, that's not to put anybody off. And we'll talk about that idea of, of sort of not being overwhelmed by the success of other people. Yes. Um, I think that's really super important. Um, and again, we touched on it with Rob in our previous episode. But to know that there are ways into it and there's different journeys into practices research. There's, there's no one Absolutely. sort of set road with big signs saying practice is this practice this way. And and also that it is it's not as scary and weird as it might sound if you're coming to it from a different background, a theory background, maybe. But also that we're not against each other, that theory, <laughs> theory and practice, they're not the antithesis of each other. And also that there's a lot to be gained from working with people in an interdisciplinary kind of way as well. I think so. people just get a bit sort of like worried about the box mm. and taking some of the some of the sides of their box down it's yes and uh, again two important things uh, i really liked what you just said and i think <laughs> especially when we were asking questions to rob i realized sometimes i'm just being a bit provocative with my questions just kind of the, the separating theory from practice and thinking about one thing and another but the reason we do it is because that's the way to talk about what we're doing but at the same time these things are really very closely connected they're not really separated and what happens i recently took part in another seminar where two very accomplished practice-based researchers were talking about their really really accomplished long projects and (laughs) i asked both of them the question so uh, you know out of all the things you've done in your one project lasted about 12 years it was really incredible okay and i asked uh, a person so so out of all the amazing things you've done for this project how many of those things have you planned before and the answer was none absolutely nothing and i guess what happens is when when you start working with practice-based research, all these ideas, and that's why I talked about the separations mm. between theory and practice, mm-hmm. again, it might feel a bit overwhelming because it feels like you need to know so many different things and find a way to put this puzzle together. And because each and every project is completely different and there really isn't a template you can apply and, and make a successful practice as research yeah. project, but the more confidence you get and the more experience you have and the more established you are as with everything in life it just becomes easier that you really trust your your guts and you really just dive in and 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 proceed with the project and things happen and as you trust your collaborators you trust yourself you trust your knowledge you trust your past experience things just unfolded unfold in in time and obviously the difficulty is when you when you do this for the very first time and you know about all these elements theory practice reflective beats and impact and this and that it really is very difficult to start and again we come back to this idea of community so that's why just just to immerse yourself uh in this universe of <laughs> chaotic uh, but yet structure way of working and 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 just just talk to people who, who do things which relate to what you do and just be part of this community is so important and if you can get a mentor if you can speak to someone who understands what practice research is no matter really what their discipline is this is going to be a huge positive impact or 
should we say, bad influence. <laughs> yeah, being a bad influence, being that person who facilitates. I see part of what we do as being facilitators, as being the people that you can come and have a chat to, because it doesn't always have to be this big academic journey. It, it can be, to use the example of our colleague who moved on, and I'm extremely proud of her for moving on. There's there's a whole narrative behind that, but it's not our place to kind of explore that. But I'm so proud of her for kind of taking that that step and I, I like to think part of it was because she was involved with some of the things that we do and it just gave that confidence to say exactly I'm capable of this I don't need to listen to other stuff that's being said to me like I have this facility to move on and be be something different and and more you know to extend yourself and it's this idea of kind of having that crash pad someone behind you who's who's maybe done it a little bit before you have and and it's that hard one knowledge again I'm, I'm a big fan of hard one knowledge I've had to win a lot of knowledge over this period of my life but it, it's there's nothing to say that you can't then share that and I think one of the lovely things that I've kind of encountered insinuating myself into different research communities usually accidentally but with lovely results so I think you know I'm part of sort of death studies um, community but the people in that community are so welcoming they're so um, happy to share knowledge they're so open to kind of discussing their their challenges and that everything hasn't necessarily always gone brilliantly for them and I think that I'm kind of new to the practices research community I think you know a lot more people kind of within it but she's pulling faces at me because I'm saying nice things about she doesn't like it when I do that um is is that sort of there's there's that element where you can also be welcoming into that community and start sharing that knowledge as well and saying I think Rob talked about the tip of the iceberg and, yeah. and seeing seeing success is fab and you, you touched on it. It's a wonderful thing when you see someone else doing something brilliantly or, or say we've we've managed to get X or Y and, and we're doing whatever it might be. It, 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 it's doable. It but you doable, don't yes. you don't see the struggle underneath it or you don't see like the the 70,000 emails that you've had to send on our behalf to move sort of projects forward, maybe. But I think knowing that and kind of exploring it and being open to saying, you know what, we had some ideas and they didn't go very, like, they didn't go brilliantly well. Even to take this podcast, like, we've struggled to find time to come and sit (laughs) down together to do this podcast, even though we really enjoy it and we've had lovely feedback about it and we're really, I'm really proud of this. This is one of the highlights of my year, month, whatever. <laughs> but, you know, it, it, there's a struggle involved in everything and I think it's okay to embrace that and say it's... Absolutely, know, yeah. We have problems sometimes. And, you know, am I going to take it into kind of <laughs> maybe philosophical level here a little bit, but this is very human to struggle sometimes and yeah. it, it would be absolutely uh, insane to, to deny it. It and it will be insane to pretend that everything is just nice and shiny. Of course it's not. We struggle with so many different things. But I really, I, maybe I'm, I'm really crazy, but I find it exciting in a way. I really find overcoming obstacles really exciting and interesting. This is what makes things work. And I think if we can share this excitement with people, if we can present overcoming challenges and obstacles as something uh, which could be really, really interesting. And first of all, it's something where you can, which can 
teach you quite a lot because yes. I've mentioned that before when things are really going according to the plan you don't really have many opportunities to learn it's only when you start having problems of some kind of challenges this is when you have to really start thinking uh, you know about different ideas and just kind of considering different options um, so I think it has uh, it has a really huge value I would say I think that's part of the attraction and yet the challenge of practices research because exactly it's it is this thing of of you come up with your question and that's always a very oh it's a big deal isn't it and and you have to have that conversation where it's sort of look yeah <laughs> great question it's not going to be looking like that in a year's time exactly it's okay and that's okay and i think whatever level you're working at and however you're kind of coming into it it's always there's always that conversation there's always that fear that someone hasn't come up with a, a question a question yeah. i i always use the term question you use a different term yeah research you, inquiry inquiry so it's not as scary as my version which is like a question there's this idea that once you set that inquiry once you set that question nothing can ever change ever That's and that's true and it's, it's not true. always gonna change um, but i guess it's part of that what you were talking about like if that question never changed and you went through your period of research and you still had that question at the end of it something might be a little bit wrong yeah, in a way because you, you've not you've not come explored a, it enough yeah. yes you didn't go outside of your comfort zone enough yeah and you've not maybe had those challenges and i'm not again yeah. using the f word i'm not <laughs> going to use that but but you've had those challenges and that you've you've sort of said okay that's taken me over in this other direction that i never thought i would look at and and i i'm not comfortable with it's it's a whole new level of like learning for me. I, mean, I had that in my PhD, and that mine was not a practice as research degree. Yeah, no, mine was absolutely. mine was theory, but. It's that approach of, oh, 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 there's this whole other thing that I don't know anything about, but I have to go and find out about it because otherwise what I'm doing doesn't make sense yeah. if I don't learn this new thing. Absolutely. I mean, I couldn't agree more. And to be honest with you, my entire life is built on failures <laughs> in a positive way. Uh, in a sense that, yeah, sometimes just things don't go according to the plan and it opens a completely different opportunity. Yeah. Uh, one which maybe you would have never explored if if everything was just, you know, going as it is. So so I think this is one of our messages yeah, from today. It's, just, just don't be afraid. It's something we've talked about, isn't it? Yeah. It's a, we've got some personal life challenges happening around us at the, this time. And it, it, part of it is sort of saying, and I think it was some, some very like lucid commentary from one of our colleagues was, well, maybe it's a good thing. Thing because sometimes being settled or being mm. in a in a place, a, a position, whatever it might be, can sort of stop you moving on Absolutely. or wanting to move forwards or, or develop or change or whatever Absolutely. it might be. And that's the same in terms of a research inquiry, a, a line of thinking, a line of research, a line of kind of theory questioning. Yeah. If if stuff always goes as you say according to plan, they might be very comfortable. But part of research in any form is to challenge your knowledge to to make you that expert within that field or that small sliver of a field and probably if you're not you know getting out of your box are you going to find something new or are you going to just stick with you know what you know and what's comfortable and what's safe yeah we're the safety net the mentor is the safety net and that means that you can go forwards and do new things new, yeah new kind yeah. of experiences yeah. and again we're kind of coming back to this idea of um again depends on the context it could be supervising phd candidates yeah. which is just as i said inspiring people working either with creative practices work working wanting to go to academia or, or vice versa <laughs> it's a difficult one because you, you cannot teach someone to to be creative can you it, it's it's you, you can 
hold their hand and you can guide them but again this idea of um, just being there and just being able to find this kind of open-minded attitude and see when things are genuinely not going the right way for example just to kind of make it more specific uh, many phd candidates when they start uh really ambitious with their let's call it research question they just want to include everything and everywhere uh, you know in during all the times and it's just absolutely impossible i remember when i started my phd it was absolutely ridiculous i just wanted to do a phd about all the indigenous filmmaking ever uh, in the world <laughs> in the <ever>. world <laughs> and i was just really laughed at uh quite rightly so and and obviously this is where this support is very much needed this is not about just saying that every time you do something everything is going to be okay sometimes you do need to give someone uh, some kind of direction so like in this case like someone really need to, to tell me well you're absolutely crazy you need to <laughs> narrow this down and that's what we do with our uh, phd students very often you just need to help them to, to to draw the line but again rob talked about it quite nicely it's not that there's some kind of uh, finishing line at the end of the horizon there is there's a moment you kind of have to draw the line but there is a moment uh, beyond which you just continue your work as a new project because you just need to kind of finish one of them and just just have some kind of stage some kind of conclusions to it but then you can obviously continue it's just about giving some kind of narrative and and, and some kind of framework to it so yes so it's not just just to make it really clear it's not about just telling people well, it's always everything is going to be fine no matter how bad it is there are some things where where, where we have to help and, and just just kind of direct oh, yeah. people to. i mean it's it's like being a guide isn't it it's it's, it's sort of yeah i mean you can't you can't i think i think someone said we were too positive sometimes <laughs> okay i won't say where that came from but you know there's, there's levels of positivity in terms of you know it's about knowing when to encourage people because I, I know again i'll use my personal experience i'm i'm very easily kind of oh, what's the word like beaten down i'm very easily sort of put off i i, I will go to well i screwed that up i wasn't great at that the first time i ever did it so i'm useless I, it, it's it's and it's a mindset and it's uh rob was talking about like flicking that little voice off your shoulder mm. i i like to think that i am a functioning imposter so i i'm working very hard with like the whole imposter syndrome thing um but it's sometimes about sort of being open to kind of going, you know what, I'm going to take the guidance from someone else who is saying that actually what I'm doing is good. It doesn't mean that I'm always going to be told that everything I do is good. Yeah. But what that kind of has managed to do with me is I didn't take criticism very well, either when I started out on my PhD. Mm. That was, again, a massive learning journey, is to say sort of, you know, if someone, if someone can be positive with me, they sort of, in a way, earn my acknowledgement that they mm. can also tell me some negative things but also tell me how to deal with those negative things as yeah. well so it isn't about like you say it's not being positive yeah, all the time and this mad yeah. cheerleader in the corner saying you're brilliant everything's yeah, great absolutely. but there's there's levels of working with people and sometimes you do need to kind of be a cheerleader for yeah someone. no absolutely i mean I, this is a confession i'm a full-time imposter and I <laughs> just find it really exciting. That's the that's the only difference. But yeah, I think we all we all suffer, uh, you know, this kind of feeling. I mean, that's only natural. And I think if you don't sometimes feel what you're doing is not right, uh, it's probably something wrong with you. I think we all have this. <laughs> uh, no offense of, to anyone, but yeah, uh, self criticism. No, of course I'm I'm joking, of course. But uh, I think what I'm trying to say is yeah. it's absolutely fine if you feel like this. I think we all feel this way. It's it's just it's just part of of being a human again speaking about feedback 
This is an interesting one. I This is one of the work I did in the past and th- there was this kind of really uh, big encouragement to to feedback, mm-hmm. giving and receiving. And I think you can take it even to your kind of personal life, really. I really think that only people who care about you will give you constructive feedback. If someone, if I don't care about someone, mm. I'm not going to waste my time giving them feedback. If you really care about somebody to kind of to, someone to improve on something, yes. you, you will definitely offer your feedback. And I think this really helped me quite a lot not to take a criticism in a bad way. So for example, if there's a peer review, uh, which just, you know, finds some kind of uh, inconsistencies yeah. with whatever it is that I written or proposed. I really take it as an opportunity to improve because I genuinely believe that if if everything was just accepted, then again, um, it's like with this idea of a project where you know what the final outcome yes. will be before yeah. you even started. That there's not much development over there. But if someone does give me feedback, I will take it. Now, part to it is. Um, it doesn't mean that I agree with all the feedback. There yes, will be some yeah. things I do appreciate and agree. There will be some things I completely disagree. And not to say that I disregard, but maybe just, just decide that this is not the way I want to go to. And I think, f- for example, with our PhD students or even students, undergraduate students, mm. I think this is something we'd like to, I, I like to teach them. So the feedback is extremely valuable, but at the end of the day, they're in charge and they will do whatever they think is right. But it's really good to listen to people giving feedback and and I think that again that gives you this option or thinking or kind of comparing different points of view and then it's your job to kind of pick and choose what you want from different pieces of feedback and and, and take it or not yeah oh, absolutely and it's something I always I literally always write and we take it or leave it it's up to you because yeah. but I think part of that journey is sort of saying getting the confidence to reject feedback sometimes and I don't mean like out of hand but just to sort of and I'm still not quite there I'm still of the opinion that oh this person's an expert and they're telling me this is wrong it must be wrong um but it's to to get you to that point where you can balance out what is useful feedback and what is maybe not so useful feedback and might be even damaging to kind of what you're trying to do and be able to move forwards off that. I think that's 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 somewhere I'm not quite there mm. yet, but I think it's an important area to be able to kind of have confidence in your own work. Yeah, no, of course. And and I think, again, very important thing you've touched upon here, because um, obviously there will be people who are more experienced always, obviously. and people who are obviously more knowledgeable, and it, it could be, again, intimidating. Yeah. At the same time, you've mentioned in our previous episode this idea of teaching students the rules and mm. asking them to break the rule yeah. and that's what we do with the module we teach but I, I think this is an amazing idea and, and I really like to give examples to our students about people or artists or creative people who just know how to really follow the rules and then break them in a very creative way and I think it can apply to feedback giving and receiving as well so of course you know if, if we produce something and it's given uh, we, we have a chance to receive feedback from someone who knows much more uh, than us. It's really good. But at the same time, the project we're working on is going to be very different to... True. Still is going to be very different, no matter how much experience that person has, because it's a creative project. So by definition, it will be different to all the other projects the other person uh, had to deal with. So there is still this kind of door over there for you to say, well, it's all very well. That person is really experienced and I obviously appreciate you know, their insights. Still, what I'm doing is very different. So that's why the way I break the rules, if you like, yeah. is, 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 a, is a different way, which maybe that person hasn't considered to some degree. So I really think, yeah, it, it requires some kind of confidence and I'm 
by all, no means good at this. Uh, but but since we're talking about this kind of idea of support mm, system, mm. this is also a very big part of it. And you, I think this talk about feedback is really important because especially in academia, we, we are living and breathing with base. Everything we do is based on, on peer reviews and feedback. Now, another challenge here is, and we've mentioned that again in one of our first episodes, is this idea of working between disciplines and what we talked about this in-betweenness between art and research and how there are very different expectations mm. when we talk about these two elements but also if you work across disciplines and Rob have, has mentioned that you know sometimes you do have to balance that so for example if your peer reviewer or feedback giver is from slightly different discipline they will be bringing the expectations of their respective discipline to you so the feedback they might give you might not necessarily be relevant fully or fully relevant yeah. to, to what you're doing so so again this is then our job to manage this and again in terms of creating this support system it's so so important that people understand that this is how it works because again if you start and you create your first project and you receive a really very very bad feedback let's mm. put it this way it could be extremely discouraging and it could really really put you off to to continue this kind of work and i think that's why it's so so important to also understand that no matter how experienced your peer reviewers are this is just one of many points of view always and then there's the other point of view that's why you have usually more than well usually always more than one peer reviewer and it's so so important to talk to people and also share these ideas of of being rejected being criticized mm. even the most established people they, they get rejected that they get really bad feedback they don't really share it that much maybe this is what we sh- uh, should start doing as a community not necessarily to just name it as a as a as a badge of pride that um, you've been rejected or criticized but not necessarily shying away from from talking about it it's definitely part of of this kind of life really as an academic yeah i think it's it's something that's been really influential for me is hearing and i touched on this in rob's um interview in the episode but you know hearing that people i really admire have had moments where they've been rejected or and it's not a poor me it's not about kind of playing that really small violin it's just that idea of okay that person had that and i really admire this person mm. and it makes me kind of admire them more and it makes me feel that they are more somewhat accessible and and kind of what they're doing isn't so far away from what i'm trying to do but also that it is there is a you know, we'll go back to that word struggle that there is a development process that there is a a period of time where what you initially wrote is ripped apart by someone potentially yes. and and returned to you potentially with all the best intentions in the world sometimes with less good intentions maybe <laughs> but you know that there is a process of development and that you have to kind of something I've learned is you have to be open to that process of Absolutely. development and I think that kind of again we, we're talking a lot about Rob's interview he brought some really salient points up in terms of sort of it always being a developmental process and that you know practice as research again we'll, we'll go back to that idea that there isn't a set answer it's not two plus two equals four and why why then look at what two plus two could equal if we know it equals four it's a journey it is and yes. it's and it's maybe not going to be clinical yeah it, it's going to be messy potentially you're going to have to find out what the heck you're doing we've had some conversations recently with someone who's thinking of undertaking a PhD and 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 the conversations are you know how are you going to do this what's going to be mm. the outcome and it's not about kind of putting fences around and saying it has to be this but it's it's to have some semblance of a journey so that when things do develop 
there is a mechanism to kind of accommodate that development rather yeah. than find you're in the bad chaos rather than the good chaos. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this analogy of a journey is a, a really good one. I'm just <laughs> I'm just thinking about uh, travel I did some time ago. I happened to be in Tokyo uh, one week and in Sicily the following week. And when I was in Tokyo, I was in places full of people, really, really busy. And then when I was in Sicily, I went to a train station which didn't even have anyone managing it. You just had this mm. ticket machine which was just, just operated, you know, by yourself. And uh, you, you, there was literally nobody over there. And I really thought about it very deeply at that mm-hmm. time. And I thought, well, well, this is how practice-based research works. Sometimes you just stuck in this kind of really desolate place mm-hmm. with nobody around and seemingly nothing is going on. And the other moment you are on a bullet train just speeding, you know, yeah. with a high speed. And I think we talked about this lack of linearity mm. with development of this kind of project and this is what people could struggle with sometimes at the beginning as well the kind of confidence again that sometimes things just go really slowly yes and what rob talked about quite a lot is this idea of reflexivity yes and sometimes it might seem that nothing has happened for a long time but something is cooking in your head and mm. ideas are just you know boiling and there will be a moment there will be this kind of aha moment there will be this kind of wow moment at some point where you connect the dots and you will realize what was the meaning of certain things but it does require time and I recently I tweeted I cannot remember I should have it as a note here but I remember I was reading rereading Robin Nelson again and there's one uh, chapter which is not written by him it's written by one of the co-authors and they they talk about the necessity of time for this kind of project, but also wasting time. Mm. They specifically say wasting time. Of course, it's provocative us when we, when we say wasting time. This is a challenge when many of us has when you know we have academic workloads. Sometimes the kind of creative work you're doing, especially when you when you're working in the academic context and you have to reflect on this, will have slower time. Sometimes you'll you will have to slow down before things speed up and it will kind of go in a very, very non-linear way and it will be messy in that sense as well. So it's not only about your outcomes Mm. and what you're doing, but also how your work proceeds. You will have, let's speak about uh, an example of a PhD student making a film as part of it. So of course there will be a production period which from the outside view look like a very, very intense Mm. stage. But how about the time when they're just thinking and brainstorming about the idea? Well, this is arguably the most important element of the project because this is when they decide what's going to have to happen. But again, from the outside, it might seem like, well, there's nothing happening at the moment, just sitting on yourself and scratching your head, thinking how to do the things. But I think, again, it's so, so important to, again, give people confidence as well that you cannot necessarily just say, well, every day during two hours, I'm just going to be developing my project in the same way and I'm going to have... Uh, X amount of words written or or X amount of uh, footage recorded. It just doesn't work this way. Yeah, I think it's... I'm glad you said scratching your head as well. I was thinking something else there for a minute. Um, but but yeah, it is it is that space to kind of take a moment to think about what, what you're going to do, but also what you've done. And I think it's sort of interesting that you were saying that there's these timeframes that everyone kind of makes you adhere to, or in academia at least. And and even for sort of um, releasing your research, there's there's a system where we put things and it sort of has this timeframe on it. And, and, oh, put this date in. And, and I always think, 
But okay, but you know this this period, this weird period that, that has been selected as the time it's accepted to the time it's published, doesn't exist. Mm. There, there's no such thing as this really short period of time, and it's the same for sort of any project, isn't it? it, it you know, it's it's a developmental thing. It's a, it's um something that grows and develops and changes and kind of going back to that question about interdisciplinarity and the in between especially if you're working in an interdisciplinary way, there's a lot more stuff that has to come into it than Absolutely. if you're just sticking in your lane, you know, staying in your lane that is X or Y. If you've got to kind of either find collaborators or, or co-researchers in whatever discipline it might be, um, th- there's a period of learning and there's mm. a period of kind of developmental and there's a period of discussion and there's there's all of these other things that again like you were saying they don't look very busy no but actually they are really they busy. are very busy yes i think time for thinking is really underestimated and i know many people relate to this like time to stop and think is probably the most crucial element of this kind of project i would say sometimes well i think well. most of our good collaborations just between you and i have come from us having a cup of tea together and having a nice <laughs> chat because yes. It, it, it gives you that time to take away from mm. our everyday, which is you, you as a module leader and me as someone who's like lecturing maybe on, on one of your modules. It takes away from that yeah. area. And it, and we just have a little sit down and we say, oh, wouldn't this be interesting? And then we have a chat about it. And, and people, because yeah. your office is so nice. <laughs> um, it's like the meeting place for everyone. That might mean that someone else comes in yes. and, and they come into the conversation. And we, mm. we extend that conversation yeah. you know beyond just the two of us or whatever it might be yeah. and that space to um even verbally experiment and, yeah. and come up with ideas absolutely I, mean, I think what you're describing is quite interesting you i think what you're describing sharon is this idea and this is probably the best advice we could also give um to people who want to engage in this kind of research is just make sure you do or work on project you're really interested in yes if you work on something which you genuinely like you're genuinely passionate about it, it, you're gonna be doing this because you want to and it becomes so much easier and then all the expectations you have from academia from funders from anything else of course you're gonna have to meet those expectations but you're not gonna be overwhelmed or restricted by them because you're just doing something you really genuinely like and believe in yeah and i think this is absolutely essential driving motor uh, there's a huge difference if you see people uh, or phd students for mm. example working on something because they have to because they want to have a paper saying that they're a doctor yeah uh, and it's just really mechanical and mm. just really really kind of forced uh versus people who just just so passionate about it they just do it because they love it absolutely love it to beats and then uh, yeah, yeah of course they will have a paper from it but but they just they would have done it anyway uh, you know and I think the way we do all the projects here as well mm. we, again we said it before and it's not to kind of uh, brag or anything but we genuinely enjoy doing what we're doing with, with the collaborations uh, creative and research collaborations we do and sometimes we genuinely don't have time Yes, uh, most of the time I would argue most of the time yeah <laughs> we, we still have to have a conversation about some questions we've been we asked do. and we haven't even done that yet we so, haven't no yeah. but it, it kind of pays a lot so yes if you, if you are planning to 
to think about what kind of research you want to do. Yes, look at examples of other people, but really, most importantly, look inside. Think about what is the thing you'd like to be doing in your spare time. What is the thing that you really want to be reading in your spare time because you want to, and then kind of uh, try to frame uh, some kind of project around it. So this is obviously we kind of leaning towards this idea of how to create your research question True. or research inquiry and, right and now. And I but, think yeah. what would be good is in our next our next episode if we lean further into that question and kind of like explore it a little bit more. Not not in a how to necessarily, but more more in a where to get inspiration yes. from and and how to use your existing knowledge and existing interests. Yeah. To to move that kind of forwards into yeah. something a little bit different. So perhaps the last two things we can um, mention today before we wrap it up for today. It has this strange... Yeah, I, I sound like I'm in a tunnel. I have nothing. Is it because I was almost kissing this microphone? Maybe. Too close. But it, I'm the same and I have not been kissing my microphone. <laughs> so you've mentioned Sharon... Oh, this is really mm. bothering me right now. Or should we just wrap it up? I think let's wrap it up. Let's wrap it up. We'll wrap it up. Um, so I think we'll agree to explore... Idea generation is probably a good way of looking at it for our next episode. I think that'll be a good place to be. Thanks for listening to our ramblings <laughs> as we try to unpack support structures and kind of our bad influence on the world in general and each other specifically from me it's goodbye and thank you for listening and thank you so much from me as well i hope you can actually listen to what i'm saying because i'm having a really big problem with a microphone but it was lovely to talk to you and we hope to talk to you very soon bye bye